Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. We are recorded live. Welcome to uh, Season 8, Episode 4 of the Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, known as the Steeler Fury Podcast. I'm your host, Bradshaw DeBen, as always, joined by the intrepid, you've got a new adjective, the intrepid Steel Perch. He's with us. How are you, sir? Doing well, guys. And uh, the rumor is we will, in fact, be joined by FC, but uh, he's he's like a... He's like a woman. He's he's making us wait so that we can savor every moment when he's here. I don't know. Um, something like that. Birch, uh, nothing really happened since our last podcast, which was after the draft, uh, before before rookie camp. So uh, there's nothing to talk about really today, is there? Yeah, I need a podcast for dummies manual or something. It's been a while. I forget how these things work. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I ask stupid questions and then you come up with very smart answers that were not necessarily what I was talking about, but then we talk about it. And we get off track and somehow we end up talking about the draft. <laughs> it's all coming back to me, right? It's all coming back to the draft. All right, well, let's, let's start there because we spend a, we'll have plenty of time to talk about, you know, the, the Steelers against the Patriots and uh, what the preseason has been like and some of the some of the bad things that have happened the last couple of weeks. It's been a really bad couple of weeks. Uh, but before we get there, let's start with the draft, since that's where we left off. Um, you know, this, this draft class, you can't necessarily look at it right now and, and uh, know exactly what you're going to get out of it two or three years down the road. But um, I guess the question I would ask you is, you know, on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, what did you think the draft was the day after the draft? And where do you think it is now? And where do you think it'll be in two years? Yeah, I mean, right after the draft, I, I liked it okay. I wasn't crazy about it. I'd say I'd give it a, I think, a, a B or a B minus. You know, and looking at it now, it's maybe a little bit lower than that, maybe a C plus. And a couple of years from now, I have no idea. So, I mean, Sinquez Golson, I kind of liked him. And when he, I thought he was a third or fourth rounder as a, as a nickel corner, we you know, had some concerns about him being thin and frail, and boy, that kind of lived up to it pretty quick. Dupree was very raw. We didn't think we'd get much from him this year, and I think preseason really showed that, that he's got a long way to go. Coates is the guy I thought that was the most ready, but for some ungodly reason, he was about 10th on the depth chart all preseason. I mean, he didn't get in the games until the fourth quarter behind guys that were undrafted free agent rookies, so I don't know if that was trying to send him a message or what the whole thing was with Coates, but... Uh, you know, it doesn't look like he's going to contribute much more than, you know, five or ten catches for the entire year. You know, same thing with Duran Grant. He looked a little bit lost out there at times on defense. A few times he did okay. Jesse James is who we thought he was. And beyond that, I don't think those bottom three guys even make the, the roster. You know, maybe Walton has an outside chance, but he won't contribute this year. So, you know, well, so you don't... draft for, for the year that they're in. You know, they get guys that are going to help them two and three years down the line. But I, I don't think we're going to get it. You know, it's going to be tough to pick a rookie of the year out of this group because I don't see anyone doing a whole lot. Yeah, I, I, you're, I, I kind of still thinking Chicolo makes it. I don't 
I don't think he's the last couple of weeks. He's definitely follows that pattern of a lot of college guys who excel early in camp and they stand out right away and, and kind of fade a little bit as camp goes on for whatever reason, either because the competition gets harder or because they get a little bit more worn down. Um, and so he definitely fits fits that profile a little bit, but I would say he still seems to be fairly likely to make it, I think, unless they get really, you know, stuck down at the bottom of the roster there for special teams guys or something. But, you know, we could, we can, we can get there in a minute, but I think Holloman, you know, you mentioned the way that, that Coates was treated in camp. Holloman was, had pretty much the same profile. He was, he was playing behind guys that, uh, you know, are, are never going to be NFL free safeties. Um, and specifically, I mean, they played Dangerfield at, at free safety, uh, yeah, which doesn't make much sense to me. And then they played Ventrone at, at safety ahead of him. So it's like, I kind of feel like, you know, that's uh, the, he, both of those guys, it could be totally possible that they don't think either of them uh, deserved any more reps and that they didn't show well, or it could be that they, they actually do like them long-term and they're bringing them along from the, you know, making them earn their way all the way from the bottom up. But I don't or know. Hide them from getting scooped up and added to somebody else's roster so they can hide them for their own practice squad. That's the only thing I can really think was they didn't want any film of the guys out there so they could hide them and then stash them on their own practice squad for another year. But they did the same thing to Martavis Bryant last year. He was buried in preseason and Shamarco Thomas the last couple of years. Preseason, you're wanting to see those guys come out and get opportunities and you don't see them until the very, very end of games. And the guys that they're playing in problem are guaranteed to get cut. They're giving more reps yeah. to guys they know they're going to cut over the guys they drafted. It, it doesn't – it's like they don't want to develop their own draft picks for some reason. I don't get it. You know, they want them to be bad until the final year of the rookie contract so they could sign them to a cheaper second contract. I don't know what the reason is, but you can't really find a good logical answer for it. I get a feeling sometimes there's two things. One is that they they want to – they want to learn more about guys they don't think are going to be around at, at the final cut, meaning – they want to find out about guys they might need to pick up in the middle of the season or add to their practice squad later or whatever that they're not going to carry. And that sometimes those guys get all the opportunities in the world to fail so that they can, so they can identify what it is the guy can do or can't do. And I think that's, that's maybe, you know, you get a guy like, like Darby and you say, okay, well, this guy, this guy was pretty much a classic strong safety in college, but here we like them to do more things. So can this guy play some free safety? Let's find out. Let's find out now while we have you know some games to try him out because we're not planning on keeping him unless he can do those things. Whereas the draft picks, I would see, I would say that they are more likely to keep more draft picks than you think they're going to keep based on what they did in preseason. They just seem like maybe they, sometimes they protect those guys. They don't. They either don't want them to fail or they don't want them to get hurt when they already know they're going to have them essentially developing behind other players for a half a season or a season. That's the only thing I can come up with because I'm, I'm like you. I The Sammy Coates thing particularly was infuriating because you, you feel like that's a guy that since you know you're going to be without Bryant for, for four games, you really ought to try to get him up to speed doing a lot of different stuff, give him a lot of reps. Like the way they did Shazir, like Shazir, that's exactly what they did. They gave him a gazillion reps in every game, um, you know, because he seemed like a guy that needed more reps, I guess. I don't know. Well, like Shamarco this year was playing a ton of reps because I know that now they've got to start him. Well, he should have been getting those reps the last two years to develop him to the point. Even during the regular season, whenever they had guys get hurt or whatever, he was all, he never even saw the field on defense last year in games that were out of control or you had an injury where they could have gotten some, some you know actual NFL live game reps. They didn't. 
I think the biggest thing those three guys at the bottom of the uh, draft have going for them is the depth is hideous. I mean, they've got nobody in front of them. I mean, L.T. Walton has literally no competition. Nothing. Yeah. Ethan Hamer, maybe, may, you know, maybe, I guess, could be viewed yeah, I mean, competition. The, but... You could tell they really, really want to cut Cam Thomas. They just can't afford to because he's the only NFL experienced guy that they have you know, back there, you know, Darnell Dockett was cut today. You know, the same thing, I thought the same thing when uh, the guy from the Browns was cut, Phil Taylor, and those are perfect, you know, guys to pick up and plug in where they've got NFL experience. They played the 3-4 before. They've got some versatility for positions, and, you know, obviously the uh, Phil Taylor, his knee is shot, so he's he's probably not going to land anywhere. But uh, if Dockett's healthy, they should go out and throw him a couple-year deal with for a couple million bucks. But who knows what'll happen? Yeah, well, who knows? I mean, I think that's who knows sums it all up. <laughs> you know, we've been watching this team for a long time, uh, and I, I, you know, I don't think it gets any easier to figure out anything that they do. I keep waiting for the book to come out. The book we always talk about. Well, someday they'll write a book, and they'll talk all about it, and they'll tell you all the stories from behind the scenes. But I'm still waiting on that book. Do you think we're ever going to get that book? I don't know. It's doubtful. Um, well, I, you know, what does it say about your draft, the last thing on the draft? What does it say about your draft if the, the bottom of the roster is particularly grim uh, and, and, like, especially, you know, at, at safety and defensive line? If those guys can't make it uh, into that group, it just kind of makes you wonder. It's like uh, – or, you know, or, or even, even Grant being, you know, buried below – some mediocre talent at, at cornerback. It just makes you feel like, you know, they they don't they don't even believe in their own draft class, or they're you know they they believe in them and they're just hiding it from us. I don't know. Like I said, I could talk you around. I could talk myself around in circles on it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's confusing to see. It's just you know, uh, there's a lot of good players that are going to get shaken loose for salary reasons here in the next couple of days and. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be some some guys they could potentially, you know, dig out from the scrap heap. Yeah, well, so uh, you know, do you, let's just in terms of the preseason, we had five preseason games, which, you know, two is probably enough. Um, but you know, in those with those five preseason games, do you think it's like worth ignoring the preseason? Should we just not bother reading the tea leaves well, from it? I mean. <laughs> The thing you really want to see in preseason is the guys you just drafted or the guys that were drafted the year prior and see who starts to show how they progress. Like Martavis Bryant, you know, we saw him go last year from the guy who couldn't even get a hat on game day to the end of the year emerge as a big-time player to looking like one of the best receivers in the league here in preseason. And it also shows your depth. I mean, if you do have a starter or two go, go down, what happens? And you saw the Steelers get outrushed by 400 yards and 1.5 yards per carry in, in the preseason. What's that speak to? How hideous the depth is on both lines. They got manhandled in every game. Nobody was doing anything too special to them. It was just line up, run up the gut, blow the Steelers away for 20, 30, 40-yard run, get into, down in the red zone, throw a couple basic little passes or runs, and they're in the end zone. And, you know, there's things to take out of it as far as starters go. You're not seeing game planning. You're not seeing the starters try all that hard. You're not getting anything out of that. But it's about what do you have in this farm system? What do you have coming up? Who's developed? Who's moved up? And what do you have from your young guys? And we learned the Steelers have some serious problems there. So for five five games, that's the takeaway is <laughs> the young guys, the uh, call it what you want, the, the farm system, the uh, the rookies, and, and the 
free agents they picked up that were undrafted were busts. I mean, they were supposedly getting two or three of the best interior uh, offensive linemen that went undrafted this year, and they were all horrible. I mean, bad, really bad. So that's what we learned. Well, but, I mean, I guess what do you learn about the team as far as the season goes and its first teamers? Because although, you know, you can can say – for Marco Thomas, you learned a lot about you learned something about him at least, um, you know, or you learned a little bit about the team's adjustment to, to playing cover two and so on and so forth. I feel like we didn't really learn that much about the first teams. If you think about it for a second, you know, the Steelers' offense, as it will be construed for the the last three quarters of the season, hopefully, uh, is pretty damn good. You know, we didn't learn anything bad about them really. You know, Ben looks the best he's ever looked his whole life. Le'Veon Bell looks like you know, the best uh, non-quarterback in the NFL, Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown, right? So all all of that stuff is, you know, if they have a, enough protection, I feel like our skill position players are pretty good on, on offense. Uh, and right now, as long as they don't lose anybody from their offensive line, they'll be okay. But what are the odds on that? You know? I mean, sch- schematics and overall groups you don't learn a whole lot about, but individual, you know, development and growth you do – Shazier, I think, flashed a lot that, you know, the light bulb's starting to come on, the game's slowing down for him, and he's the guy that's going to be capable of making some splash plays here and there. Um, Jarvis Jones showed that he's kind of still Jarvis. I mean, he's Jarvis, I guess. He, he's just not really overwhelming anybody at the point of attack. Or, you know, I think he had one nice sack where he, you know, bull rushed a, a backup from Green Bay and, and got a sack. But other than that, you know, some run plays and things, he got drove five yards downfield. Um, you know, we think we learned a bit about Bud Dupree where he, he looks like his, he's, you know, he's lost in his own head and he needs to develop some moves. And Shamarco Thomas is a bit of a liability in coverage. And he, he, you know, he's another guy who doesn't seem like he's got his brain up to speed with what his, what his body can do yet. So you had those little things you learned about individuals uh, through preseason and kind of project what's going to happen in the regular season. And you see some concerns there. Uh, especially with the defense. But the offense, like you said, is going to be barring any more injuries. Um, you got to expect they're going to score in a high 20, you know, 27, 28, 29 points a game. It's just the defense might give up 30. You know? <laughs> That's kind of the fear right now. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, I don't know that we necessarily – we haven't even really seen our first team defense on the field. I mean, I'm not even sure how many reps in practice our first team defense has had in this preseason. It just feels like since minicamp, they haven't had their first team defense together. And oh, yeah, that, I mean, that's a really big concern to me. Yeah, the two safeties really haven't played together. I mean, so you can't expect that magically they're going to just appear on the field together on Thursday night and they're going to be confusing Tom Brady. I mean, that's not going to happen. They're going to obviously going to have some communication issues and some rust and some things like that. And do we even know what's been established for corner? Who are the starting corners? Is it Gay and Allen, or is Boinkin going to be in there? You know, it, I don't know exactly what that rotation is going to look like because we haven't really seen it yet. So it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, split those top three and who the fourth guy off the bench is. Yeah, and I think also it's possible entirely that they run a defense against New England that doesn't necessarily reflect what they're going to do the rest of the year because New England is so unique in their strengths. I mean, they basically have, you know, out a tight end who's their number who's their number one receiver uh and you know different different kind of a thing you have to do to stop them i think so you like in other words they're probably going to play a little bit of a gadget defense 
and may do something different with personnel against New England than I would figure they'll do against San Francisco, for instance. Um, so, you know, it's just, I feel like it's, 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 it's hard to – I guess my takeaway is it's hard to look at that preseason, especially as long as it was and the fact that they were just trying to survive it without losing any more players uh, that they cared about. Uh, and, and therefore, I'm not sure you can use it as an indictment of, oh, my God, the season is lost because we look so terrible in, in preseason. I think what it means is, you know, we need to fill up the bottom of the, of the roster with, with either uh, experienced players that can come in and actually contribute right away or even developmental players that are better than the, the, the guys that were just hanging out, taking up space at the bottom of the roster and practice squad right now. So that, that's the takeaway I have. But I don't know that it means the Steelers aren't going to be a pretty good team as long as their, their first team can stay out there, you know. So, I mean, even even against New England, I, I look at, for instance, I look at New England and Baltimore, two teams that traditionally um, we have trouble with, and and both of them have similar problems that the Steelers have. They, you know, the, New England lost its corners. They lost its running backs. They have nobody at wide receiver really to speak of. Uh, and, you know, yet people are still looking at them like they're unbeatable. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. I think I think at this stage of the year, everybody has a bunch of question marks can't necessarily go by the, the preseason game, but, you know, and so on. Uh, All three of those teams have established quarterbacks, too, and the other two, I think, have better front sevens than what Pittsburgh has and probably better overall defenses than what Pittsburgh has, and, and that's kind of where things kind of go haywire, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Do, do the Ravens have more than one – they basically have, you know, Terrell Suggs and a bunch of guys – as far as pass rushes are concerned. Dummerville had 17 sacks last year. I mean, Dummerville had more sacks than probably all oh, yeah. four of our outside <laughs> linebackers will have this year. I mean, <laughs> whoops, whoops, I forgot about that guy. That other, yeah. uh, that other guy almost well, yeah. no, their Their interior defensive line is really good, too. So, I mean, they've got play where we've got, you know, to it, who I think will be a good player, but he's still going to be pretty young and growing. And Hayward's established now, and McClendon is – I'm not a huge fan. He's okay. He's not great. He's not horrible. He's just a guy. He's not Brandon. No, he's no not Brandon not. Williams. He's not Brandon Williams, though. It, not even in the same stratosphere as Brandon Williams. So it, there's there's some differences there. But uh, you know, whenever you've got that elite quarterback, he can kind of pull up some average or mediocre receivers and tight ends. And and both of those teams have good offensive lines. Where you know, you, Baltimore and, and New England are they're going to score a number of points this year, especially New England with Brady. But uh, I think both those teams still have better defenses than what Pittsburgh probably has. I think I think Baltimore has a better defense. I I don't know about Baltimore's offense being being in the same vicinity, but you know I, I, you never know. Like I said, can't go by necessarily who won the off season. You know right. that's the truism. I'm sure we can follow. But uh, yeah, seriously. Well, well, we'll talk about more about the Patriots in just a minute. Let's take a call. We have uh, the indubitable uh, best steal with us from somewhere in Pennsylvania. How are you, sir? Hi, guys. Hey, before I start in on uh, the Patriots, it's a good parallel, right? They have issues. They don't have a secondary. They're wide receiver. They just brought aging Reggie Wayne. They they haven't looked good in the preseason either. Only, you know, when they played the – actually, Garoppolo played better than Brady when Brady played, obviously, for his distractions. But, you know, yeah, I, I agree with Perch, like, the preseason is uh, is basically let's just get through it and move on and then ease into the season. There's no way to even see who who's going to make it, who's doing well. Nobody played. 
it seemed like everything was so vanilla that I don't know. I can't judge it. It, There's definitely a depth issue, right? I agree. Everybody's raised that issue. So whoever they bring in to plug these holes, you know, by all means, because there's definitely some guys that should be on the grocery bagging uh, forum as of what, what time today, any, (laughs) anyhow, but, uh, um, so people are obviously I've been busy this summer, uh, going to the defending the integrity of the NFL wall, right? Not the <laughs> Patriot. <laughs> to borrow a bar stool sports, uh, that guy, what's his name? I can't even remember his name, but what a, what a, what a, what a farce. The whole, you know what, just, it all goes back to Ben being suspended, right? He got his brand of justice, Goodell's justice. And if I made a, I made a post this morning that talks about where Berman failed. I think Berman overstepped his authority to say the NFL's rules didn't matter. You know, regardless of what Brady's arguments were for for a fair trial, right? He got his hearing. His player contract signature tells him he's on notice for conduct detrimental. That is his first and foremost notice he's going to get. Him to argue that it's in the ops manual is bullcrap. Um, Perch hit it last night. Or was it you? Perch? No, it was Fury. Fury raised my ire about what, what the hell was going to happen here. And we all hate Goodell for his judge, jury, and executioner, but that's what the players gave him. So, you know, let's, let's, let's move on to New England. I'll coin a phrase and let's see what we get. <laughs> because you, me, and the other, everybody else. Wait, 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 wait. I'll, sorry, hold on a go second. Ahead. Hold on a second. Are, are you, so you're, you're not a fan of New England and Tom Brady? Well, let's see. I thought that you. I, I misunderstood. I thought you were going to call in supporting Tom Brady. Why would I call in support of Tom Brady? Well, listen, it's a win for the players. The players got the, their armor chink on Goodell now with this mess, right? So uh, this thing is going to move on into the courts for what they said could happen for two years. You know, Bra- Brady's is guilty, and everybody knows it. And except you know the whining and the lawyering up and everything that's led up. The combination of the evidence proved that there was wrongdoing. Now, you got the protocol break. You got the text. You got Brady eventually admitting that he broke his phone, and he didn't come forward with that until two days before his appeal. Broke his phone the day he was interviewed. I mean, these aren't actions of innocent people, right? So it doesn't matter the... Public opinion isn't going to change because they were popping their corks up there yesterday. So, so be it. You know, people call me crazy. You know, I, I just think that, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, it's going to be, it's going to look like, it's just going to look bad at the NFL in general. It, it looks like a total circus. And the circus is just starting, I think, right? It's not, nothing's going to get any. And on the other hand, the NFL is as popular as ever with all this because they are on the pay, front page 24 7. And this is what yeah. they want. So maybe they like they, that. Maybe maybe the judge, maybe the NFL decided to throw this right. I saw that opinion out there. You know, let's get Brady out there for the first game, and now we'll just go litigate it again. The fact that the the judge allowed the Kessler's people to relitigate the case in an arbitrary in that type of hearing is just where is that ever precedented? I think Berman got. I think Berman got to by craft. I really do. I'm like uh, the the fact that they threw the NFL under the bus so much for that stuff that they got hit on. I mean, well, what the hell are they supposed to do? That's their lay of the law. 
it's stated in black and white in all their all their documents. You know, good old good old didn't give the give the estimation of of the the penalty because they didn't have it documented. Oh, ball deflation, quarterback gets four games. They're not going to have a rule book of all that kind of penalties. It says it in the bylaws. Well, let's just put this way, you know, Beth, just to just to wrap this up, I, I would say that. If, the, if they had rules for every conceivable violation and cheating uh, that you could conceive of in the rules, the Patriots would just come up with five or six things that weren't covered in there, you know? Exactly. So, exactly. Right, well, look, look, man, Perfect you're going to segue. This is it, though. <laughs> your, your, you know, your statute of limitations is up now because it's been, it's been litigated, and unless it gets overturned, you know, we'll just we'll we'll just be able to shake our heads at this the rest of our lives. Oh right! Uh, right every time Tom right. Brady is mentioned, but you know, <laughs> he's going to play, and we got to play him and let him uh, play. I want him to play. I've been very vehement with since June with Jimmy and everybody. Let him play because I want to play him because we need to play him and show everybody that you know maybe we could actually put him on the ground and show that he really is just a system quarterback that relies on. Um, let's shall we say extra help. So uh, for lack of a better word, but yeah, well, there's nothing really left to talk about on this issue other than just let's play the games, right? They're guilty. They're cheaters. They cheated again. I said it for eight, 10 years now, right? Once a cheater, always a cheater and Belichick's on to the next incident. So let's see okay. what happens. All right. So, so <laughs> you, so you, you, uh, on the scale of hate, Roger Goodell, Tom Brady. Oh, 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 that's a good one. That's a really good one. Let's see. Goodell, you know, I actually had a little sympathy for him here because he did, he, did, he did this one by the book because of the Rice case. He did remove himself from the penalty phase and then inserted himself back. Uh, I, I'd say uh, I'd give him a nine and uh, Brady's a 10 all the time. So fuck Brady. <laughs> fuck Tom. It's going to be a rugby Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Perch, uh, you have anything Balloon, to add to that before we Balloon's on? coming. From poor Beth Steele. Poor tortured Beth Steele. No, I'm just sitting back watching the master at work here. You know, nobody <laughs> uh, nobody hates on the Patriots quite like Beth Steele. It's poetry. It's it's sort of get, it can, hey, you I've know, been can, elsewhere. I've been elsewhere and been, I've been trolled out. So, you know, somebody can't no, the, the board. But the thing is, man, you know, you, you, it gives you a reason to, to live. You know, it, it makes your life better. <laughs> so I'd actually be glad I'd to... rather I'd rather hoist another Lombardi trophy before Ben retires, and then, you know, everything will be all right in the world. You know. Yeah, I hear that, my friend. All right, we're well, all healthy and happy. It's all <laughs> noise, right? So. Well, at least we're healthy. Okay, Ben. <laughs> Later, Jim. You hang in there. You hang in there. Try to survive Thursday night. All right. Oh. Upstairs. Yeah, it'll the, the the world will go on if we get smashed. So, so just lots to talk about at the board about how bad we are. So, yeah, exactly. Hey, right. um, cheers! But hey, yeah, uh, Perch. Let's talk Darnell Dockett for a second. He was released uh, this morning, uh, and there seems to be a you know some different opi- differing opinions about whether or not uh, you know what his what his status is. Do you know anything about him in terms of injury status or why he didn't? Yeah. Why he did get cut? He's got a writ. Well, first they signed him to like a seven and a half million dollar deal for over two years, and two millions guaranteed. Um, from what I understand, he only played like ten snaps all preseason because he's got a rib injury. No, that's something 
if you sign him, he's probably not playing it against New England this week, but, you know, maybe week three, four, he's back to full health. And, you know, there's already talk about him going back to Arizona. But, I mean, he, he played was uh, last year. Was, he was hurt most of last year, so it's been since 2013 since he's played. But, you know, before that, he, ne- he was never a guy who had injuries, but he's also, what, 34 now. So, you know, he's a guy that, you know, if you can get him for a million bucks or whatever the vet minimum is for, for a year, because he's already making the $2 million guaranteed, absolutely, just because he's got the knowledge and the ability to play, you know, the, the, the varied fronts that they're going to show this year. He's done it all before. So I would, you know, at the very least be, uh, you know, on the phone with his agent right now trying to get him in for a physical and figure out what goes on with the guy. But, you know, he's, he's going to play somewhere this year. So why not here? Yeah, well, why not? Why not us? Why not now? <laughs> hey, um, he's the hell out of LT Walton and Herpes Boy, you know? Yeah, Thomas. yeah that, that definitely want to talk about backup uh, defensive line situation. That's ugly. Um, just, you know, let's get the family show, sort of. Uh, I do, uh, he mentioned, uh, Beth mentioned on his way out, though, it's going to be a rugby Sunday. Speaking of rugby Sunday, got a chance to see Jared Hayne at all in San Francisco? No, I have not. I have not seen him yet. Oh, you really haven't? Oh, I thought for sure you had. No. Uh, he's been uh, pretty much unbelievable. Uh, the guy, the guy has hands. Like that's the thing you, I don't know. Like you, when I think of rugby players, I think, okay, here's the tough guy who can, you know, bowl over people and, and whatever. And the fact that he was a good open field runner on kick returns didn't surprise me that much. He was a top level professional doing basically that in rugby. But, uh, the thing that surprised me were his hands. He, you know, he caught week two or three of the exhibition season. He caught a punt that was, uh, one of those like, you know, punter bombs, a punt over the returner's head and he had to go back 10 or 15 yards and, and caught it like Willie Mays style over the shoulder. And I just thought, wow, that, you know, that's pretty cool. And then I saw him as a back out of the backfield. So he's for a guy who's played exactly four NFL or four football games of any kind in his entire life. Um, he's now become sort of a, you know, the talk is they don't think they can cut him. Like they think they're going to cut uh, some sort of running back with bigger college reputation, but that they, you know, like Kendall Hunter or somebody like that. So it was really, I, you know, you haven't seen him, but I, what I was going to ask you was, do you think there's any team in the NFL who's going to, who doesn't have a guy on their roster probably going to get cut who would be an improvement to our running back stable? Yeah, I don't know who's probably going to get cut because I haven't followed all the other teams out there that well, but there's always an established veteran backup running back that just gets cut. You know, like Fred Jackson just got let go. And there's going to be a couple guys like that that aren't, you know, a younger guy comes and takes their job, and this guy's making a little bit too much money, but he's still good enough to be, a, you know, an every-down back or at least a backup back. They need to go get that guy, whoever it is, get somebody, because, you know, those first two weeks, we, we've got one back, you know, and I, I don't trust Josh Harris at all. I, I, don't, I haven't seen anything from him that make me think that he's, you know, not even a difference maker, but even a competent backup. And so I just think they need to find a guy. Um, who that is, I, I can't say right now. We'll see the, the list of names get cut here tonight or tomorrow, but they need to find somebody. Yeah, funny. Um, so, by the way, apparently the wing trade, Brad Wing traded to the Giants for a conditional seventh. Probably means if he doesn't, if he doesn't stick there, they don't pay the, the draft pick, which would make sense. Um, at, at any rate, and uh, Steelers have reduced Howard, Howard's 
Howard Jones is gone, huh? Howard Jones, according yes, apparently yes. So you're you're saying the same feed I'm seeing. Anyway, it's our guest too, which I'm guessing is uh, our guest from the north. But uh, our guest from the north, Greek Steel. Shout out to Greek Steel for letting us know what's happening in the world. Uh, and we have we have another call. Uh, this call comes from California. I'm going to take a stab. Hey guys, it's our friend Lifelog Steel. Yeah. Snoop. Yes. Yes. Good, uh, See, good I know, podcast, guys. I know my secret callers. I got them all sorted <laughs> out. <laughs> well, not intending to be a secret, but uh, but there you have it. So, um, so how how is it possible that I feel worse about our defense now than uh, a couple months ago when I already figured we'd be bottom five of the league? But how would how would you know? We haven't even seen our defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. But um, I, I, but you, but if you look at it and say you got to depend on uh, Shamarco to be a uh, a player and you have to depend on a certain number of things to happen and um, you don't see those things happening, it's going to make you a little bit more nervous, right? So um, yeah, I'm, I'm going into the season thinking we're going to have to outscore everybody, which is something we've never uh, we've never really shown we can do or shown we were willing to do, except for or that, willing, you know, sure. Couple couple times. Indianapolis in 2014 and Green Bay in 2009. First, that's it, right? If you say so. <laughs> have we ever have we ever uh, tried to get you know involved in a shootout where we were just you know let it all rip? Aside from those two games that you can remember. Oh, I mean, I don't think they intend to get into a shootout, but there's been some games where they uh, ended up in some. Well, last time yeah. we played, last time we played Brady in Foxborough, it was a it was a shootout, and I think we were in it through we were in it through three quarters, right? I mean, and then we I, I don't know what happened. There was a big heat drop on a drive we needed or something. They turned around and scored a couple quick touchdowns on us. But uh, yeah, last time we played them there, it was a it was a pretty big uh, pretty big offensive uh, game. Yeah, well. I mean, I'm I'm not sure what to, uh, you know, how much you can read into the pa- from the past into what we're doing now because the team is. Think about how different the team is since the last time they went there. I was even thinking today, like the parallel is uh, the Steelers going into Denver to face Manning uh, at the at the start of the season. What was that? 2012, 13. I think it was 12. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it was kind of like the same sort of conversation where. You know, our defense is really bad, and we're going to have to go out there and try to outscore them, and that guy's going to kill us, and so on and so forth. And, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't quite the blowout. It was sort of like our offense, you know, just didn't have the bullets in the gun uh, to get the job done. But I, I, I don't feel like our – I mean, okay, I may be the lone voice in the wilderness, but I don't feel like our first-team defense uh, – I think they're going to give up a lot of big plays, but I don't think they're necessarily going to, going to put up – let the other team put up 43 every week. I mean, Hirsch, am I crazy for saying this? Slightly. <laughs> Fine. Dude, I, I just I, this defense is going to get boat raced a lot. Um, I think by the first half of the year, it's going to be bad. I think the second half of the year, some guys will you know settle into their positions. They'll gain some cohesion. And, you know, the goal is to win enough games to make the playoffs and have the team trending upwards at the end of the year. I just uh, you know. Next Thursday night, I'm not really looking forward to it. I think the first month or so is going to be – I think the offense is going to be a little slower than we expect with those couple of guys out, and then uh, the defense is just going to be bad early on. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, 
I don't know, lifelong, you're, uh, I mean, you're, your instincts may be right, but I just feel like we haven't, you know, I mean, unless, unless uh, the guys who are injured don't play, you know. Yeah, so I, mean, okay. I guess the question, right, I guess the question is more, we've never had this many unknowns, right? And um, I was hoping a little bit more preseason to, to, to at least feel better about some of those unknowns. So maybe that's good, right? Maybe unknowns are Butler does some things that are nice that we don't expect, and uh, Shazier, um, you know, develops in a really nice way, and Dupree gives us, you know, a couple decent pass rushes a game we don't expect. And as you think, Harrison has an unbelievable game. Um, I do count him a little bit as an unknown because I, I can't believe, um, as you said previously, that he's going to play like he did five years ago, right? So, um, you know, I guess with unknowns, they could turn out to be good just as easily as they turn out to be bad. Well, let us hope so. I mean, it's, it, it, Perch, have you heard any news on Mike Mitchell? Is Mike Mitchell, like, would he have played last week if if, if it was a meaningful game? I believe, yeah, yeah, you know, I believe he's ready to go. I mean, he was still in, you know, street clothes on the sideline where, you know, some of the other guys who were injured, uh, you know, like to it were dressed up and running around in pregame for this game. But, you know, the plan from what I've understood was they were resting him until the season. He should be ready for Thursday night, but it's, it's concerning with all the injuries he dealt with last year. He pretty much set out this entire preseason. I don't know what we're going to get from that guy. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, it's as bad as, as uh, bad as it sounds to, that we're, you know, that we're dependent on Mike Mitchell to suddenly be healthy and suddenly be a better player than he was last year. As bad as that option is the option of having somebody else, one of the guys who plays behind him take over his spot, I think might even be worse. Right. Yeah, I, it, I don't know. There, there's just no depth. I mean, that just if either of those two starting safeties get hurt, and neither of them are very good, it just gets really, really, really bad. There's just no depth. I mean, there's nothing there. You know, they they almost have to go out and sign another veteran. Will Allen just you know he's been that third guy for a while. Where if you know somebody went down, he can step in and and do an adequate job. The wheels just seem like they fell off. He's just extra slow this year. I mean, he's kind of he's up there now. He's the same age Troy was when when Troy was ready to hang it up, and you know, just they they kind of need to get another veteran established guy just to back the two starters up. Yeah, the problem is I don't. I was looking around the league just to see if there was any rumors of anybody like that maybe not making a team somewhere, but unless there's a surprise someplace, I I don't think it's a good year to think that we're going to get uh, you know some sort of a veteran experienced safety. Who who could come in and play? I think it, you know you might your best your best hope would be maybe to get like a second or third year guy, who at least is a safety with some talent. But I, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. I just don't see the names out there. Like some of the other guys that were released that were quote unquote surprise releases. At least there's been rumors that they might be in trouble. But uh, I don't see anything like that with safeties, unfortunately. Um, where was I going to go with this? I was going to ask a question. Uh, had something to do. Oh, Quentin Groves released. He a fit at all, Perch? I don't think so. I mean, that guy's been bouncing around the league for a number of years. He's never really caught on. I don't, just you know, he's. I don't think he's better than our backups. He's not. I don't think he's good enough to be in our top four. So why bother with him? But the, but the, it's like the Mendoza line. Is he better than Cam Thomas? You know, that's like, that's all, all you really have to be to be on the roster. It's like, are you better than Ethan Hemer? You know, so the standard is very low. Yeah, wrong, kind of wrong position for him, though. Yeah, it doesn't, he's not, I think he's like a, he's a three or something, isn't he? 
something like that. Anyway. Oh, I guess they they moved him to like a they moved him to like a a, a, a Sam. Is that what he? Yeah, and he. I think he originally came out. He was like a thirty-four outside linebacker and didn't quite have the burst off the edge. And then he they moved him to like a forty-three Sam. And uh, I haven't followed him that much. I mean, oh, I thought he was playing on the line. That's why I didn't understand. Okay, right on. Uh, well, uh, lifelong. Are you going to enjoy something uh, interesting for the Labor Day weekend out here? You're in the Bay, right? Yeah, I'm in the Bay Area. Um, I'm looking forward to my uh, Arizona State Sun Devils playing at Texas A&M, so I'm pretty fired up about that. That's uh, 100% of my focus right now. <laughs> at least for one weekend. For one weekend, it's 100% of my focus, and then uh, then we can <laughs> go on from there. But, yeah, I expect, uh, expect to have a nice weekend. Hope you guys do, too. Right on. Well, I'm, I'm going to play some football in Berkeley tomorrow, so uh, I'll, uh, I was going to cool. invite you to come over and play, right. but, you know, you're going to have to, you have to show. <laughs> all right thanks for joining the show perch thanks guys got you later perch yeah. uh let's let's uh let's talk for a minute about uh you know i mean it's a normal week we're going to have to actually play a game next week on thursday that no one thinks the Steelers can win um you know aside from the, the kind of stuff that we already talked about uh in terms of where we think the Steelers are and, and tom brady and so on and so forth um, you know, what do you, what do you think might be unexpected in this game um, that, from either team that might, you know, turn out to be a bigger story than we're talking about right now? Um, I think pretty good chance Gronkowski breaks the receiving record for most uh, yards and touchdowns in a game by a tight end. <laughs> I think it's probably unexpected, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to say that you're not too optimistic. <laughs> Is that is that a fair statement? You're not too optimistic about the Steelers' chances. I I don't know, man. I just think that this whole thing's setting up where it's some big redemption tour for Tom Brady, and all the chowderheads up in New England are going to be all fired up, and you know they're ready to show the league that it was a witch hunt against Tom Brady, which all of them think, and and you know they're raising the banner for their fourth Super Bowl, and they're playing against the Steelers who won four Super Bowls in the '70s, and they're just gonna. I mean, it's it's setting up where it's going to be some great you know, uh, glory ride for, for Brady and the Patriots, and they're going to light the Steelers up on national television. And, you know, our, our two starting safeties look like crap or injured or haven't played. Our secondary is banged out. We've got no pass rush. I just – I don't see anything good coming out of this game. So, usually when I'm this negative, I'm completely wrong, and the Steelers end up winning. So, I'm just going to keep staying negative and hope this <laughs> Ride the juju of being wrong on this thing. But I just – you know, watching all those tight ends split the seam against – I mean, every team they played until like, through the first four preseason games. Just ran right tight ends the middle without the being covered, yeah. Deep down the field, gone. You know, Brady's going to spread them out, and they'll run little draw plays up the gut for 30 yards because nobody can tackle. And I just uh, – you know, the only hope is the Steelers get into a shootout. Without Martavis Bryant and Le'Veon Bell, I think they fall, you know, a bit short. It's going to be like 42 to, like – 29 or something like that where the offense might show well, but they're, they're going to keep up. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I do, I do think th- that our younger, I mean, our lesser receivers, I should say, the guys other than Bryant and Antonio Brown uh, have actually showed pretty well this entire off season. And it, and it feels like they're a little bit more on the same page with, with, uh, with Ben and what the offense is doing. They seem to make a lot of progress. I don't know if that's a you know an illusion, but I feel like 
I wouldn't like. I don't feel too bad about Sammy Coates coming in the game and making a couple of plays. I I don't feel it impossible for Hayward Bay to make a couple of plays, and I feel better about Wheaton than I felt in some time. We'll see if that translates to the regular season, but I kind of feel like you know they they have at least a better backup running back situation than they had, and they have more chance of a couple of guys in the receiving core picking up the slack for a few weeks. I don't think you could go through the whole season and be as good without Bryant, but I think for a couple of games you could be all right, uh, particularly against New England, that I don't think – I don't think they're – I'm not sure their pass defense is going to be uh, that great against wide receivers. They, they traditionally haven't been that good at that. What they're, what they're mostly good at is, uh, you know, bend but don't break and covering the running backs out of the backfield. That's the strength of their team. They don't let you dump it off too much. And the thing is, the Steelers, without Bell, how much are they going to dump it off? Maybe, you know, maybe that's, uh, I don't know. We, I guess it's possible that things could change. But I feel like I, I don't feel, although I don't think it's uh, anyone's going to expect them to do well in this game, I don't feel it's quite as doom and gloomy as it feels like right now just because of all the stuff that's happened the last couple of weeks with the, the injuries and Bryant and uh, – yeah, everything. Nah. Anyway, I blurbed. Um, do you, would you would you like to uh, perhaps uh, talk about the other side of the football for a second? Because we were focused on the uh, you know the de- the defense not being able to to stop anybody. You know, do you think the Steelers' offense could possibly live up to expectations this year? You know, let alone in game one. You said you said you didn't think that they were going to be able to match up with New England when it all came said and done, but is that more a function of Brian and Bell being missing or the fact that you don't think they'll be as good? Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, twofold. I think that the, the Patriots actually have some decent players in their front seven, you know, Chandler Jones and Jabal Sheard and Mayo and your boy Jamie Collins and, you know, even Ninkovich has been a decent player. They've got some names, some guys that are going to do decent enough to stop the run that when the Steelers have to throw a lot to catch up, they got some guys that are going to get pressure on the quarterback. And they've got some decent safeties, but I, I think their corner play is going to be bad. And I think the Steelers will be able to score a number of points on them. I just, you know, looking at it the other way, I, I don't see us slowing New England down a whole lot. And um, you know, I just think that they've got enough good players on their defense to make a play here and there to stop a number of drives to allow their offense to outscore the Steelers. So, I mean, it's going to be a lot of points, but I just, you know, I, I can't see the uh, the Steelers – defense slow and Brady enough to, uh, to win the game. Well, all right. Well, uh, so you're, do you give us an actual point prediction? Yeah, I think like something like 42 to 29. I think the Steelers will get up to those high twenties, but you know, late in the game, Brady will pound a couple extra touchdowns in and, and they'll, uh, you know, win by over 10 points. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I mean, uh, I guess, I guess I'm nuts. I kind of feel like the Steelers are going to shock the world on Thursday. I, it feels it's just like a it you know it almost feels like if you're if you're best deal are you listening I, I it feels like a setup you know the whole thing it's like you know the way the entire off season has gone with Brady and you know the keeping the story alive until the last possible minute and now Brady is going to come in on his white horse and, and play in this game and uh, and the Steelers have been so bad in the regular season in the preseason and and they've lost Bell and Brian and so on and so forth and I just have a feeling that at the very very minimum. It, it's an exciting and close game on Thursday night. I don't, I don't expect it to be, uh, a, you know, the death march that people think it's going to be. 
and I I would say it's it's even possible that the you know the the the, the Patriots might be uh, have a little bit of a letdown while like while they get things worked up with their new guys and and uh, get reoriented as a team. And I think you know obviously it's been a big distraction for them too. Teams don't usually deal that well with big distractions. Uh, not that the Steelers have had no distractions, but you know what I mean. Uh, I I guess I will I will take a big gulp. Gulp. And I will say I think the Steelers might actually eke out a win in this game. And I don't I mean score. You know who knows? I have a feeling I have a feeling you could Patriots could be held uh, under thirty. You know, so so maybe I feel like this is a 31-27 kind of a game that the Steelers can win. Uh, I just uh, Ben has been playing that well, and and uh, I'm not sure Brady in the early season last year was terrible, terrible. Uh, maybe maybe it'll be a case of again adjusting to a new cast for him. He's in that situation that Ben was in for years and years, where he had new guys every year. And had to figure out a way to make it all happen and figure out what they were going to do on offense. And maybe without the deflated balls, they'll uh, lose a couple of fumbles and life will be good. Brady and the Patriots have been slow starters in seasons past where they've got out and lost teams they shouldn't have lost to, or, you know, Buffalo or Miami, or somebody will jump and get them in the first two weeks of the season. And everybody starts writing and talking about the Patriots' downfall. And then by week four, they look unstoppable again. But, uh, you know, that's to me is the only the only hope is Brady's been so distracted and he played so poorly in the preseason and it's the opening game of the year. Maybe they you know they're not up to speed yet and you know maybe just maybe you know Keith Butler's got some wrinkles up his in his scheme up his sleeve that nobody's seen or thought of and they can you know Belichick doesn't have the spy tapes on the Steelers yet to uh, to adjust to. So. <laughs> well, that actually. Uh... I mean, there's there's two things left to talk about before we wrap this. But what, one of them is just exactly that. Do you do you think there's any chance that we come out with a game plan that's specifically you know oriented to the Patriots, been put together for months, kind of like what the Ravens did to the Steelers in the first game of the season, where it felt like they had been preparing for nine months for this game. Do you have a feeling that it's possible that the Steelers might actually, you know? Uh, do well in this game because of a coaching scheme? Is that asking too much? Well, that's my hope. I mean, like you said, you pointed out that Ravens game where there's been a number of times in the past where early in the season, you know, the Steelers were playing a team that had a new coordinator on one side of the ball. They weren't prepared for what that guy was going to do, and they got caught with their pants down, whether it was a zone blocking scheme or something like that that uh, they hadn't prepared for, or, you know, a new looks on the defense that it wasn't on the tape the previous year. Hopefully, you know, you're talking about being multiple up front and, and, you know, showing four or three looks and 34 looks and mixing things up. I just don't know if they have the horses for it, you know. And Brady's seen everything that there is to see. It's not like he's some rookie quarterback that you're going to confuse. So, you know, that's the hope. The hope is they've got something up their their sleeves that uh, they think they can win, get an advantage by being unpredictable with instead of that same old dickle bow 34 that, you know, Tom Brady's built his career off destroying. <laughs> you know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you know, this whole new defense has got something different for him. Well, and then the second thing, and the last thing I'll leave you with is, uh, here's some names for you. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, Brandon Bolden, James White, Traveris Cadet, Dion Lewis, Tony Creasy. Two of those cats 
maybe three are going to make the roster for the New England Patriots and probably play against the Steelers at running back. you have any idea if any of them is, could actually play in an NFL game? In other words, they're they, the only guy they have that's even, uh, you know, up and down sort of a guy that's available for this game is Jonas Gray. So, I mean, to me, that's a huge factor because we can't stop anybody who's decent running the football, and we may not be able to stop, uh, you know, Traveris Cadet for all I know. But it feels like, you know, it, it isn't a strength of their team. Well, I guess I've got two retorts to that. One is why the hell would New England even want to run the football against the Steelers? <laughs> and they can throw it at will. And two, it's just that Belichick voodoo magic. They pull the most mundane nobody running back out of the league and stick him in there. And, you know, when they need the 15-yard run, the guy gets it. When they need a little dump off, the guy goes for 20. They just plug and play nobodies into that running back spot. Don't pay them anything, and they get what they need out of it. It's, You know, you look at the talent. The talent they've had at wide receiver and running back throughout the years, and then you look at how many points they've scored, and it just it doesn't add up. There's something that yeah. doesn't make sense there. But they'll find a way to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, they probably will. I just don't, I, you know, I hope that they don't figure it all out uh, week one. But it just feels like, yeah, you look at their, you know, you want to feel bad about our roster at running back. They haven't got it. They haven't got jack shit at running back, really. I mean, they have LeGarrette Blunt. We, we know what he is. They have Jonas Gray, who was a healthy scratch for the, the whole playoff run last year. They didn't even think he was worth dressing. And then they have a bunch of guys. It's, it's amazing, really. Like you said, if they go out and score a gazillion points again this year with starting, starting wide receivers of Julian Edelman and Reggie, you know, ancient Reggie Wayne, that's, it's crazy. It really is. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway. I mean, you got to think at some point the wheels have got to fall off of that machine up there, and we've been waiting for it and looking for it for years on end. And you know, every time you think they're finally done, they come back with another 13-win season and go deep in the playoffs. So until they're finally dead, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'll never underestimate them. Yeah, indeed. Well, let us hope for uh, some some pass rush, some scheming that actually works in our favor for a change. And, um, you know, only the Tom Brady's only been held under a 90-plus quarterback rating once against the Steelers in all of his games against them. Let us hope for uh, one of those nights in week, in week one. If we can have that perch. Any final thought beyond that? Oh, just hoping that uh, this season ends up with the playoff win. It's been far too long for us not to see one, so – even with all the negativity and the questions we have about the defense and the injuries we've already had and everything else, let's uh, let's hope they get the ship turned around and get back to the playoffs and start winning again. Right on. Well, my final thought is we always say, um, oh, I can't wait for the regular season to get here. The off season is so long, and I hate the off season and blah blah. Well, guess what? We got you know less than six six days to go uh, as we're recording this. In fact, uh, by the time you listen to it, it'll, it'll be uh, who knows what. Maybe uh, somebody will listen to this just before the game, and it'll be almost there. Thursday night, you know, finally, the, the uh, remaining six days, five hours, uh, will still be expired. I mean, will be expired, and it'll actually be the beginning of the regular season. And we at least get to start our season earlier than everybody else this year, which is awesome. And uh, I don't know. Try to enjoy it because no matter what happens uh, – you know, it's it's we. You never know when it's the last time you'll have uh, a team that could win a championship for 30 years. So, 
enjoy it while you can. Maybe you, you don't want to end up being that Boston guy, Red Sox fan, who was like, you know, 80 years old and didn't hang on. So, <laughs> anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this. Perch, thank you for being here. And once again, I'm sorry uh, that we advertised uh, that uh, FC was going to be here for the, for the uh, call. Later, I'm going to confront him about it and stick my finger in his face and hope that he doesn't punch me. What about Anyway, Perch, thank you for being here. Also, thanks to Beth Steele and to uh, the ever-present Greek Steele for uh, for tweeting at us and chatting with us, and also Lifelong Steele for uh, providing us commentary from the Bay Area, from the West Coast, the Left Coast. Perch, I'll talk to you after a surprise, shocking Steelers win, and you can loud me with uh, praise. Uh, or the other way around, and uh, you could say you were right. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Start Gronkowski in your fantasy league this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Cortez Allen, right? We do have the hope. Cortez Allen matched up against Gronkowski, slowed him down. Maybe we can do it again. What do you think? It happened once. We'll see. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thanks, Perch, and everybody else. Steelers Fury. Talk to you guys uh, after a big, big Steelers win next week. <laughs> All right. Ciao. And see you next week. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.